We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit mikeknopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. As uh, David Ruby uh, said to me uh, before services began this morning, uh, that uh, that uh, I must have had trouble coming up with the Devar Torah this week because there's nothing really of interest in the Torah portion. Uh, and of course, the exact opposite is true, uh, that uh, there is a lot in our Torah portion, but that actually in some senses made, makes it even harder to come up with a Devar Torah because you have to choose what's the most important, most interesting message to share from the Torah portion. The Torah portion this week contains a lot. Notably, it contains uh, uh, the uh, uh, reiteration of the Ten Commandments uh, and the Shema uh, and what we call the first paragraph of the Shema, even though it's really one paragraph from Shema through Ve'ahavta, the first paragraph of the Shema, Ve'ahavta, Adonai Lehecha, Bechol Avavcha, Bechol Nafshecha, Bechol Me'odecha, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. This Torah portion contains a lot. I want to talk a little bit about the Ten Commandments and about the Tenth Commandment in particular just for a moment. There's a famous Midrash that says that when God uh, wanted to give the Torah, God didn't think about the children of Israel first as the recipients of the, of the Torah. Instead, God went to all of the nations that were uh, extant at the time, uh, the Midianites, the Moabites, the Canaanites, went to all of these, the Egyptians, went to all of these nations, and one after the other went to them and said, um, I want to give you my Torah, will you accept it? And each of the nations asked, well, what's in it? And so God went to the Midianites and said, will you accept the Torah? They said, maybe what's in it. And God said, thou shalt not kill. And the Midianite says, well, killing is really the backbone of our society. Um, We're we're not really prepared to take a Torah that tells us not to kill. No, thank you. So God goes to the Moabites and says, uh, will you take my Torah? The Moabites say, well, what's in it? And God says, thou shalt not commit adultery. And they said, well, really, that's how we live. We commit adultery. That's what we do. No, thank you. And God goes on and on until finally God gets to the children of Israel and says, will you take my Torah? And they don't ask what's in it. Rather, they say, that will do it, and then you'll teach us what's in it. They accept it without preconditions, without an acceptance, uh, without a, a question about what's in it and whether or not it works for them uh, or not, which is meant to be a discussion of the merits of Israel. But it makes me wonder that if the same situation were to happen today, and God were shopping the Ten Commandments to the societies that are existent on earth today, what would be the response, what would happen in that circumstance? What would Americans say if God were to present the Torah and say, I want to give the Torah to you, Americans? Would we say, Na'asev Nishma? My guess is probably not. We're a very shrewd people. Uh, we, uh, we like to parse legaliz- legalisms and, and, uh, and things like that. We'd probably ask God what's in it. So what would be the thing that would turn us off from the Torah and say, no, thank you, that one's not for me? I think that the 10th commandment is probably a good candidate. 
The Tenth Commandment, if you uh, are playing along at home, in, uh, in our Torah portion, uh, is, uh, is, is found on page... Found on page 1021 in the Eighth Chaim. I don't know what page it's on the Hertz. What did you say, Ben? 767. 767 of the Hertz. And the Tenth Commandment says, You shall not crave your neighbor's house or his field or his male or female slave or his ox or his ass or anything that is your neighbor's. Slightly different language than you have in Exodus, but same basic effect. In Exodus 20, it says, Lo, the first iteration of the Ten Commandments, Lo tachmod beit reecha, lo tachmod eshet reecha, You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male or female slave, or his ox, or his ass, or anything that is your neighbor's. Slightly different language, same basic thrust. We shouldn't desire things that are not ours. We shouldn't covet things that are not ours. And I think that if we were to be offered the Ten Commandments in our day and age, uh, that would be the deal breaker for us as Americans. As the scholar Menachem Kellner puts it, Western culture seems to depend on covetousness to drive its economy. And in a week in which it seems that the economy grew substantially, it's, I think, all the more important to be mindful of this. Advertisements are designed to inculcate the desire to have something we do not currently own, even if we do not need it. The materialistic society shapes our longings to be competitive and continuous, to acquire what others have. It views desire within the law to be all good. And while it surely recognizes the power of our wants, it denies their insidious tendency to deprive us of balance and contentment. Now, I think that this impulse that we have, the way in which covetousness, desire for things that are not ours, shapes and pervades our culture is why modern commentators, because modern Judaism is so influenced by Western values and Western society, and particularly American society, why modern commentators have such challenge with this passage in, uh, in the Ten Commandments. They say, how could it be that we're commanded about an emotion, that we're commanded about a feeling? It can't possibly be that we're commanded about a feeling. The Torah is about behavior. We have to interpret this in some way about the behavior that we do. So it's that we shouldn't act out of covetousness. We shouldn't steal things that that aren't ours. Or we should really strive, if we do desire something, that that doesn't lead us to acting about it. That's what a lot of modern commentators do. The trouble is that it's not borne out by the text. The text doesn't say, don't act out of covetousness. The text says, do not covet. Lo tachmod. And then our text in Deuteronomy goes even further. Lo titaveh, don't desire it. Clearly our Torah portion is talking about emotion and not about action. And it turns out that most of the classical commentators agree and affirm that what the Torah is talking about here is not action, but feeling. The actual feeling of desire. Don't have that. Don't desire, don't be a person that desires things that aren't yours. Don't be a person that desires things that belong to other people. So why? What's the problem with that? 
about a thousand years after the Ten Commandments were reported to have been given, a, another sage of another tradition arrived at what he called a noble truth. This is a man named Siddhartha Gudama, who some people call the Buddha, the Enlightened One. And the Enlightened One said that all existence is suffering. That's the first noble truth. And the second noble truth is that the root of suffering is desire. And why is it that the root of suffering is desire? Here's Menachem Kellner. Desire is predatory. It eats at our own hearts. In its place, God seeks to seal the passion of the covenant to make our hearts whole. He goes on to say, Jewish tradition expresses the commandment against coveting in two different ways in order to guarantee that we understand it not only in legalistic and behavioral terms, but also in terms of the sort of character the Torah is trying to inculcate in us. The Torah doesn't want us to steal, fine. But more than that, the Torah wants us to make ourselves into the kind of people who are not even tempted to steal. Thus, we are forbidden to steal and forbidden to allow ourselves to get into a situation where we might be tempted to steal. We are furthermore bidden to train ourselves not to think about the possessions of others, lest we get ourselves into a situation where we might be tempted to steal. A holy nation is not only a law-abiding nation. It's a nation that has internalized the values inherent in the laws. The Tenth Commandment thus teaches us that while mitzvot are a way of life, they are not ends in themselves, but means to a further end, the formation of a holy character. This task is not an easy one. As Bachya ibn Pakuda points out in his ethical religious work in the 11th century, The Duties of the Heart, it is easier to obey the duties of the limbs, those obligations and prohibitions that involve outward behavior, and which thus involve social approbation and disapprobation, than it is to fulfill the duties of the heart, since only God knows if we have fulfilled the latter, not our neighbors, or often not even ourselves. If we succeed in making ourselves into the kind of person who does not covet another's belongings, then the first nine of the Ten Commandments may be said to have done their work. We have internalized their teachings and made ourselves over. In this sense, the Tenth Commandment is not the last because it is the least important. It is the last because it leads the way through law to holiness. The Talmud says, Rahmana liba bai. What God desires is the heart. If we are the type of people who yearn for, desire for the things that don't belong to us, then those objects, those things, those people, those experiences, those attainments, those are what possess our heart. Those have sway over our heart. Those are what our heart has allegiance to. And instead, our Torah portion says, Love, therefore, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. The commandment not to covet is of a peace with the entire rest of the covenant because our responsibility is to give over our entire selves, our entire loyalty, our entire being, to our relationship with God and our responsibilities as servants of the divine will. The commandment not to covet 
is not a commandment about action. It's a commandment over our hearts. And only the response of our hearts can be the fulfillment of its dictates.